Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. Before we begin, I'd like to just remind you, I, some of you may have got some of these last week, I, I failed to uh, remind you that um, on Thursday evenings, we're having a time of discipleship and accountability uh, at the fireside room at 5.05 every Thursday. I meet there along with some other students and we just gather together for prayer and just to see how you're doing for that week and for us, time, for us to reflect and to grow and to hear from God. So you're welcome every Thursday evening at the Fireside Room, which is in the Williamson. We're here tonight trusting that God is with us. Amen? And He wants us to trust in Him with all of our hearts. Our preacher for this evening is um, Dr. Laurel Matson, and he's going to help us uh, to hear from the Lord through His Word. So let's welcome Him. Stand with me this evening as we pray our theme together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let us pray that in response to this call to trust in Him. Amen. I'm struck by the words of the chorus that we, the chorus of the song we just sang. I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. <laughs> we have a special, special request tonight as we look to God in prayer. And Jim, I'm going to ask you to come up to the altar and kneel as we pray for your son. Jim's son left home last night. Jim has not heard from him since. Didn't take much with him. Um, took a few pages out of the road atlas, which indicates he has a goal in mind. And Jim has asked that we pray especially for him and his son James tonight. And would some of you guys come and gather around Jim here and Let's just pray together for his son. Because while we don't know where he is, God knows. And so while it's not easy to do, we can say we feel no alarm. Let's pray. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Those are the words, God, that we have heard repeated several times, again and again, from this pulpit this year. And Lord, tonight, one of our NBC family is struggling to find what trust is really all about. God, I pray for our brother Jim tonight. There are men all around him with arms and hands on his shoulders and back and arms 
God, may your Holy Spirit this very moment be closer than any one of those guys with him. May he sense and feel your spirit saying, be still and know that I am God. Then God, tonight I pray for James. Not sure where he is. Looks like he's taking a trip. Not positive about that. But God, while we are here with uncertainty and doubt, you are certain as to exactly where he is this very moment. And I would pray, God, that you would not only be with that young man, but that you would also hover over him with your Holy Spirit of protection. There are so many things that could go wrong. So hedge him about. Encompass him with your spirit. Guide him, God, and woo him back to dad. Back to you. God, what we pray for Jim tonight... Well, maybe there's no one else in this room who has quite the traumatic issue that they are facing. I know that all across this room tonight, there are students, spouses of students, others, God, who are here in this room tonight who are crying out to you and saying, God, while... While you are looking down and there focusing on Jim and his son James, God, what about me? Lord, I need your touch. I need your power. I need evidence in your life that my trust is not being betrayed. God, move on every NBC student. Not only those who are in this room, but those who are not here even though they're campus students, and, and then, God, the dozens or scores, maybe even hundreds of our online students who will view this video in a few days. God, I think tonight of that online student, I won't even call his name, but you know who he is, you know where he is who two weeks ago confided in me that while he thought they were simply having marital problems, his wife had finally come to him and said, I have a boyfriend. I'm leaving you for good. Be with that student out there tonight, God. Be with his wife. Lord, I fear that that story can be repeated over and over again because I understand that for those who prepare for ministry, Satan has a special battle prepared for them. So encompass God, our students, our faculty, our staff, and students whether they are here or across these United States or the icon I even saw on the TV screen in, in uh, Sanders this afternoon, studying in Japan or East Africa. 
move in our midst, we pray, and help us to learn more about trust. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, men. Thank you. You may be seated. going to go on talking tonight about trust. Um, you may think before this uh, trimester is over that uh, you just heard all the things about trust that you ever wanted to hear and maybe even some things you didn't want to hear and I hope tonight is not one of those nights. I'm reminded uh, a few years ago I was on a working witness trip in the Bahamas and uh, we not only had to work all day in constructing a building, but they had arranged to have an island-wide uh, revival service. And they moved from church to church for those uh, seven nights of the first week while, that we were there working. And every single preacher had been assigned the exact same text. That text was in the Old Testament. It was uh, when the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. That was the text. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. We came to Sunday morning and one of our team was going to preach. And I'll have to admit to you that I was at the point after hearing that, you know, that theme all week long, I was at the point I was looking to hear some, something else. And so my friend, uh, Pastor Aidan Crandall, got up and said, uh, my text this morning is taken from the Old Testament. It is when the prophet confronts King Hezekiah and says, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. But I'm going to add one thing, he said, to that title, dash, some things I didn't hear the first six nights of this week. <laughs> well, I'm sure that by the time we get done talking about trust, we will have looked at that subject from many different vantage points. As I have thought about it, and, and I understand that uh, our motto, our theme for the year in cha chapel, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. And I think that's a great theme. A few weeks ago, uh, your student council met, and we were talking about what the theme could be for student council for this year. And Greg Niver, your student body president, said, well, I've been thinking about it, and, and I just think we ought to just boil all of it down to one single word. We just ought to have the same theme, but just one simple word, trust. So the, cabinet, the council agreed, and that's the theme under which uh, ASG is seeking to operate this year. As I thought about talking on trust tonight, I thought of an individual in the New Testament who, who may be one of the most, if not the most important forgotten men in the Bible. The other night as 
I was sitting over in uh, Williamson having coffee. I mentioned to Mason that uh, I was going to, well, I thought Mason was over there. Where'd he move to? Oh, he left. He saw that I, oh, there he is back there. Of course he's back there. I'm sorry. He's taping me. Oh. I told Mason, I said, uh, my, the title of my message is, is going to be uh, Trust, the most important forgotten man in the Bible. And Mason said, well, who are you going to preach on? I can think of a lot of forgotten men. And there are. I mean, have you ever thought what it would be like to be Isaac? To have a father like Abraham and a son like Jacob? <laughs> and be Isaac? <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, we, we understand. Uh, but Abraham is the, you know, the father. Jacob is the father of the 12 tribes. And here's Isaac caught in the middle. A forgotten man in some respects. Well, uh, the man that I think is perhaps uh, the most important forgotten man is Joseph, husband of Mary. In one sense, the father of Jesus. And in the last few weeks, as I've been thinking about this message, I've, I've read... I've read all the passages in the New Testament that I could read about Joseph, and I have to admit to you, it didn't take me a long time. I'd like to read three little vignettes out of the book of Matthew. He doesn't get a lot of space in the Bible. But in Matthew, the first chapter, beginning to read with verse 18, we read, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jumping to verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. That's trust. I mean, we have a, a newly married couple in our midst tonight. We ought to probably congratulate Cass and Kenny, right? And any time we enter into the covenant of marriage, there must be trust. And can you imagine how, how Joseph's faith and trust in Mary, to say nothing about his trust in God, was tried in just these few little words that we read. Then another vignette. Second chapter, beginning to read with verse 13. It's talking about the wise men who had come. 
When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, in our day today, currently in the news, there's the story of this man who decided about a year ago, or a little less, at midnight to take his two children camping in sub-zero weather. You heard all, you've heard that one? Mm -hmm. His wife hasn't been seen since then. That's not the kind of hasty exit we're talking about in this scripture passage. Joseph has a dream, get up and go to Egypt. He gets up in the middle of the night. <laughs> I just, I, I'm sorry. I've been married 46 years. Now maybe they had not been married long enough. But I just can't imagine getting up in the middle of the night and heading anywhere and having Sharon say, well, yeah, let's, let's, let's go, sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, a few years ago when I was pastoring in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it was, I'd had a particularly horrendous short period of time. There was, there was a, a period of time when I had five parishioners in five different hospitals in the city, three of whom were dying. Not the hospitals, the people. <laughs> and, and trying to minister to their needs, and then, the, I mean, it, it was just an awful time. And, and so we had set a weekend that we were going to get away for a weekend just to get away from it all. And on the Sunday night before, I, I'm going to tell you something I did that I would never, ever do again. And I don't recommend that you ever do it in the church that you serve, okay? On the Sunday night before we were going to be gone, as we were greeting people and everybody was leaving the church, one of the, one of the laymen in the church said to me, uh, well, pastor, I understand you're going to be gone for the next week, or for the next weekend. You're going to get away for a few days. I said, yeah, we're going to. He said, uh, well, is there anything I can do for you? And without thinking, it came out of my mouth. Yeah, you can give me $500. <laughs> he looked at me in startled amazement. I looked back in startled amazement to think that I had said that. We said goodnight. He left and went home. Monday morning, I got up in the morning and went out to my mailbox as I normally would do to get the morning paper. And when I opened the morning paper, there was an envelope inside it. <laughs> yeah, you're way ahead of me. <laughs> with, a, with a check for $500. So instead of getting away for the weekend, I mean, this was, I mean, this was when $500 would buy something, you know. So I, I, uh, I said to Sharon, I said, we're not going to go away for the weekend. We're going to go away for a week. And so I went to a travel agent, 
you may not know what they are. <laughs> that was back in the old days. That was in the last century. I, I went to a travel agent and I said, I, I've got $500 to spend. I want to get away for a week. I want to go south where it's warm. Remember, I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, where can I go for two people for $500 and spend a week? And she said, well, I've got two options. She said, you can, you can fly to Hawaii, got a special deal here, put you in the hotel, round trip airfare, seven nights in a hotel. It'll cost you a little more than 500 but uh, you have to leave tomorrow. She said, I said, what's the other option? She said, you can go to Jamaica, you can leave on Saturday. This was Monday. I said, fine, I'll be back in a few minutes. We're going to Hawaii. I went home and I said to Sharon, we're going to Hawaii. She said, wonderful, when are we leaving? I said, tomorrow. She said, not on your life. <laughs> we didn't go to Hawaii for another 25 years after that. We went to Jamaica. We had a great time. But can you imagine the trust in God that it took to wake up from a dream and say, get up, we're going now. And to go. Third little vignette. After Herod died, verse 19, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea, in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, this man's got lots of dreams, doesn't he? Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. <clears throat> I know I should reject this impulse, but I'm going to do it anyway. He was called a Nazarene. Now I understand that not everybody who attends Nazarene Bible College is a Nazarene. And I, I, I say every year during orientation, if you're not a Nazarene, that's okay. But forgive us when we forget. But let me just point out tonight, since I'm here, <laughs> that if you want to be Christ-like, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Those of you on the videotape, I'm kidding, okay? Trust. Momentary obedience to God's will simply because we trust Him. As I thought about the word trust, I, I, I went to that, I went to the dictionary. Now, it was dictionary.com. But I went to the dictionary and looked up the word trust, and, and there are several definitions that I really like. 
The first one that I read was reliance on the integrity, strength, ability, surety, etc. of a person or thing. Trust in the Lord. Trust. Rely on his integrity, his strength, his ability, his surety. Have confidence in him. Second definition. Confident expectation of something. Hope. Third definition. Confidence in the certainty of future payment for property or goods received. Certainty of the future. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. But then I got down to the eighth definition. Something committed or entrusted to one's care for use or safekeeping. And I thought, that's what a lot of our students have done. They've entrusted their lives to God for safekeeping. And then I read the ninth definition, which is a legal definition. I thought, well, that won't have much to say. And then I looked at it. Before I get to that, I, I, I read on dictionary.com about all different kinds of trusts. There are charitable trusts, living trust, unit trust. There's even a Clifford trust. I thought before I clicked to find the definition of that, maybe that was for families with big red dogs. I, <laughs> there's private trust, and I, I like this one. There's a spendthrift trust. That's for me. <laughs> but the legal, the law definition of trust is this. A fiduciary responsibility in which one person, the trustee, substitute the word God. A fiduciary relationship in which God holds title to property, the trust estate or trust property, for the benefit of the other. <laughs> I want to establish a trust with God as my trustee and me as the beneficiary. so that he can hold my property. I don't have a lot of property. What I do have, I owe more on than it's worth right now. But I do have a lot of property. I have a never dying soul. And I want that all that I am and all that I have and all that I ever was and all that I ever will be would be held by him. 
You see, as Dr. Graves said to us a few weeks ago, it's not enough to trust him to forgive us of our sins, but we must also trust him with our very being. All that we are. Here I am, Lord. I'm yours. One of the work and witness trips that I was on was to the Bahamas. Actually, I've been on five trips to the Bahamas for work and witness. And they, uh, they sing differently than we do. Uh, they have hymnals, but they clap their hands when they sing. To the point that all their hymnals are just in shambles. Because they hold them in one hand and clap with the other hand. And, and I, I remember one of those trips was the first time I ever heard the little chorus, I'm yours, Lord. Everything I've got, everything I'm not. I'm yours, Lord. Take me now and see, see if I can truly be yours. That's what I want as we think about this time of trust. So that if, if God says to me, get ready, Sharon, if God says to me in the middle of the night, get up and go to Egypt, I'm on my way. Trust. I may be, uh, now I realize, I'm going to retire in a couple of years. It won't be long before students who are here in these seats in this chapel Somebody says, oh, I remember when Dr. Matson was here. And they'll say, who? I mean, it didn't take long. So I, I, I may not ever leave a huge, large, lasting legacy. But I want everything that I am and have to be held by him, not only for my benefit, but for the benefit of those who don't know him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, enable us to be so completely yours that you will hold everything we own. so that we set up that trust with you. And then we can take our hands off and allow you to work in and through us. In your name I pray, amen. Go in peace.